This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And right now, the first of the California cherries are at Zupan's Markets. They are fantastic. And of course, we're waiting for the Oregon cherries, but I have had mixed results buying at some of those stands on the side of the road. So here, you know, you're going to get great product at Zupan's in their produce department. Yeah, you can't go wrong when it comes to produce at Zupans and those cherries are are just delicious. We we often will will buy the cherries. My wife likes to put them in the freezer, Chris, and have them later just because she likes the like the cold pop of the cherry. But uh, get those cherries at your local Zupans. And while you're there, why not pick up a Bluebird Baker scone? I love scones. Uh, Portland's favorite cookie maker now has expanded to include delicious scones, which you can pick up at your local Zupans. So they have berries, they have coconut, so they have fruity, but there's also a cheddar green onion. That's my favorite. Yep. That would be very tasty. So we got to do that. And then while you're there, be aware that it's Oregon Wine Month at Zupans and you can celebrate Oregon Wine Month and join Zupans for two virtual tastings. Those virtual tastings are very fun. May 13th and 20th, you'll stop by Zupans and pick up what they want, their, their tasting wines, and then you'll do it from home and enjoy yourselves. And also, uh, of course, everybody loves salmon and Copper River Salmon from Alaska is going to be in Zupans by the time you're listening to this podcast. Of course, it's the gold standard of salmon. Very nice. And you can stop by those three locations, one of which is uh, McAdam, one is Burnside, and the other is Lake Oswego. And of course, we always love to get all of our information. Sign up for the news feed where, Chris? Zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm so glad yours is the first uh, voice we hear on the podcast, Court Johnson uh, from Alpha Media, Kink.fm, man wearing many hats in both a literal and figurative sense. Yeah, but I'm, I'm actually not wearing a hat today, Chris. Surprise on you. Well, that's because the video didn't work, the video feed. Yeah. So I, I would know that, and I don't have a hat on either, but I usually am not wearing one around the house. So um, if you did have a hat on court, which one would it be? Uh, well, you know, we are in the NBA postseason. My Jazz finished up uh, the year at number one in the NBA, and so I'd be wearing a Jazz hat for sure. Oh, I wasn't even aware of that. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I haven't been paying attention that much. I just it's baseball season. Sure, I'm a big Mets you're, you're a baseball so, guy. Yeah, I've been I've been enjoying. I really love my MLB TV package here on the West Coast. The games start at four o'clock. They end at seven seven thirty. You still got the evening. It's still light out when the games end, rather than on the East Coast when I would watch it and probably be asleep in the ninth inning. Right. So, um, so no, I'm a I'm a baseball guy, and I do like the Blazers, but. I haven't been paying much attention the last few years. I'm really, I started out a big baseball, a big sports fan as a kid in New York. And all I got left really that I love is baseball. No, so, I, I uh, think, I think that's normal though. You kind of, you kind of gravitate to something and stick with it. What, what, what is strange for me is I, I grew up a, a huge football fan and I'm still a pr- pretty big football guy, but basketball has become it for me. And I, I played it a little bit in high school, but um, I, 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 you know, 20 years ago, I never thought that I would be kind of the, the loony that I am now. And it might, it might have mostly to do with the only professional, well, one of the only professional teams out of my, you know, my home state of Utah are the Jazz. Um, right. So that's kind of what I go to. And it's probably the same for you and the, the Mets. Like that's, that's who you grew up with. That's, that was in your region. And well, there's it, a way bigger part of that. I was, we had season tickets to the Jets. I couldn't, at 11 years old, when every team in New York won a championship, I couldn't have been a bigger fan of the, the Jets, the Mets, the Rangers, or the Knicks. I loved them all dearly and spent a lot of time with them. As a matter of fact, that's what I wanted to do when I grew up, 
was uh, to be a sports announcer. I used to turn the volume down. Uh, Marv Albert, I would turn Marv Albert down and tr- do the games myself on my little nine inch Sony black and white TV. Yeah. So, um, but what happened was, lo and behold, you know, I, I had my high school years in college and I had other things to do rather than sit around and watch sports. But in the meantime, through my 20s and 30s, the Jets completely sucked. So that I just lost interest. And then I moved out west. And then you can't see a Jet game. And then I lost interest in the NFL entirely once they started with all the, you know, celebrating after each tackle. Oh, sure. Um, and then um, basketball, the Knicks sucked for many years. I remember in the 90s when Patrick Ewing was there, right around the O.J. Simpson chase, being into it then. And then I moved out here and had a couple of years really enjoying the Blazers. But, you know, it's not, it's not that great for me. And then hockey, I, it's funny that we, we should mention this, it was the first time I turned on a hockey game last night in years. Um, watch a little playoff uh, hockey. So no one's listening to this podcast to find out what we are interested in in sports. I can just hear people out there uh, rolling their eyes at the moment. But still, some people are into it. As a matter of fact, Gary the Foodie, we want to have him on the podcast. And I just talked to him the other day. He said, I could talk about sports, but I haven't been really doing a lot of dining in Portland over the last few months. So um, anybody, if anybody wants to chime in and want to hear Gary talk about sports, we can do that. But um, but that's enough of that for now. Here's someone who I know isn't necessarily following any of these teams. Nolan Hurdy from Proud Mary Coffee, um, whom we had on the podcast a couple of years ago. And then I did a trip with him to Melbourne um where we took i think seven people over to enjoy his favorites favorite coffee places and and restaurants in melbourne it was one of my favorite trips ever um and so we thought it'd be a good idea to bring back from our archives our interview with nolan hardy a proud mary because right now proud mary's in the process of expanding in the usa in austin texas of all places right right court who that someone would go to Austin, Texas after Portland. It's, it's, uh, that's, that's an odd thing to do. <laughs> I think it, it kind of will work well for them. Yep. And I know Nolan's maintaining a personal presence in the Portland area, so he's not abandoning us completely. But all the key players, um, uh, except for Annabelle, um, who's just a delight, is she's still in, um, and Matt is still in Portland, uh, heading up operations here in Portland, but Chef Barney and um, uh, and of course Nolan and uh, Lindsay, the front of the house guy, uh, are all down in Austin, Texas, setting that up. I don't know if, when they're planning to open or if they've even opened yet. I don't think so. But Proud Mary Coffee was in all my time in Portland one of the true delights and surprises and uh, places that I really fell in love with and still recommend to everybody. And I know that throughout the pandemic, they had a really cool setup at their window to go get coffee and pastries uh, and some takeout food as well. But I'm sure when things open up and they're open again, it's still going to be one of the true delights in Portland up there on Alberta, right across the street from their salt and straw up there. So um, we thought it'd be a nice idea because Nolan talks about not necessarily what was going on in 2019 when we had this interview. It may have been 2018, actually. It was. Um, but he talks about his career and how he got into hospitality and grew Proud Mary from a very small operation to uh, now, you know, a few locations, including here in the U.S. And we got to see firsthand how much respect that man has in Melbourne, Australia, um, when he took us to his, um, I would the the brethren of coffee places over there, some of the great spots, Seven Seeds, um, and a few others. And they all treated us like gold because Nolan was so respected there. And also at the restaurants, too, where we went 
everywhere we went, Nolan was, uh, it was like a celebrity coming back to town. So, um, he's a great guy, passionate guy. And, uh, I'm, I'm proud to call him a friend too. So I think everybody will enjoy this interview and I'll be looking forward to hearing it again too. I haven't listened to it since we first recorded it. I know court you'll be listening. I will be listening. And I'm, I'm pretty certain that, that at no point do you ask him what his favorite Australian football club is. Cause you know, he might not be into our sports, but uh, Australian football, I mean, there's nothing bigger in Australia. That's true. Except for coffee. Sure. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Portland Food Adventures. Ready to break out and travel to some of the world's most delicious destinations? Portland Food Adventures has space available on two trips in 2022 to Basque Country in Spain with Chef Javier Canteras of Urdaneta. Also, if you've never experienced Italy with Austria Enzyme, join Chris for the most delicious nine days in Western Sicily imaginable. Info at portlandfoodadventures.com. And by... Finex Cast Iron Cookware Company. Finex is built for those that believe details make the difference. Whether crafting cookware or cooking a meal, attention to detail can elevate the everyday into something extraordinary. Finex pays attention to detail to bring you inspiration and tools for a lifetime of meals and memories. Make the everyday extraordinary. Find out more at FinexUSA.com. Got my favorite hat on and... uh... My second favorite coffee now right. on this hat. <laughs> Onyx. Yes. They're cool guys, actually. One of them's coming over uh, to visit uh, in like a week or so. And I'm oh, thinking cool. we might do a, um, a, like a roaster's throwdown, a bit of a friendly head-to-head who's, who's been will reign supreme. Kind oh, of. that would be great. Yeah, yeah. They're, you're going to have a tough challenge. I had a friend, I in, and I served her some Proud Mary and some Onyx. Right. And... Um, I hate to tell you this. Yeah, she, she was like, on. she was flipping out about the Onyx. Oh, and still hearing okay. about it. Like, I, I respect those guys. And yeah, they're from it, of all places, Bentonville, Arkansas, where right. Walmart is headquartered. Right. So they're 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 trading with because that's an Australia. I've learning that's the Australian way of saying selling. Right. Trading. Right. Uh, but they're trading with all the Walmart employees okay. over there. I would imagine. Right. That's. Got to be a big part of their clientele. What yep. else is in Bel- sure. Bentonville, Arkansas? I haven't been there, but I'm, I'm keen to go have a look and Are you gonna say go- a lot of the guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, that should be interesting. So um, the American coffee culture uh-huh. is something you had not, you probably knew not much about it. So when you made the decision, you've had Proud Mary in Melbourne for how long now? Been 10 years in November. Wow. Yes. And you, as you told me, you're kind of on par with let's say a Stumptown would be here or I don't know if you want to align yourself with Stumptown but I'm just saying as far as as far as how known you are sure yeah I was gonna say definitely not size um but uh in terms of um brands doing stuff and kind of keeping it interesting and innovation and mm-hmm. yeah we've got a we've got a really good name for um quality and um exciting coffees you know mm-hmm. yeah so and as I as we've been researching this wonderful trip that I can't wait right. to take. Uh, I'm seeing that the model for uh-huh. coffee shops looks a little different in Portland than it does in Melbourne. There yeah. are more cafes doing breakfast. Uh-huh. Breakfast is a big thing. You'd there. almost say that everyone is doing breakfast and lunch, is mm-hmm. doing coffee, mm-hmm. and there's very few, um, if any, just doing coffee and cake. Um, you could probably name those places like... Uh, on one hand, you know, um, compared to the, I think there's 5,000 cafes in Melbourne, 1,900 are in the CBD. It's a crazy number of um, people in that in that space. 1,900 coffee coffee shops in the in the central business district. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. It's crazy. I mean, it's it's a pretty fun hospitality city for that reason because it's just so dense. Right. And um, it definitely. Um, separates the, the serious people from, you know, uh, very quickly because it, you kind of um, have a 
very, very healthy competition, you know? So what was your, when you initially decided to, what were you doing before you were in the coffee business mm, or the good, cafe good, business? Good question. Um, I was in school. I mean, I came straight from school into hospitality. I, 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 um, I actually wanted to go to art school. So I put together a pretty, uh, pretty awesome, um, folio to submit to art school, painting, printmaking, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just couldn't bring myself to submit it. I'd kind of, um, realized if I was going to be a successful artist, then I needed to draw perspective from somewhere. And, uh, and I figured I needed to learn about life and travel and see the world. And then I would, then I'd be able to create amazing things. Um, that's a lot to realize at an early age. I'm assuming yeah. you're talking about your twenties. Yeah, I was. Because I was. I yeah, like I, seventeen or eighteen. Yeah. I don't remember formulating any real plan right. at that age. It was just <laughs> like, get out, and it was easier. I think it was easier then than it is for like my sons now. Right. Because you don't. You didn't really. You could have an idea what you wanted. Oh, to Oh man, do, it was definitely challenging for me. I mean, I remember having a freak out at twenty-one. You know, it was it was a hard time trying to figure out what what it was all about. But um, somehow I. Um, put two and two together that hospitality was everywhere and so I might as well um you know get get good at hospitality and then I could have work anywhere in the, on, the, on the planet and um I actually studied hospitality and uh me being me you know like I kind of uh, put 120% into that so there was a moment where the the, the guy was uh, selecting the 10 people out of the 60 that they um had apply for this uh Christchurch um, College, it was like a hospitality school. And he says to me, he's like, look, I think you're a great fit, um, but you may want to consider a haircut, lose the dreadlocks. And I had my you know, my sister's uh, floral T-shirt on and, you know, um, bell bottoms. And 16, 17 years old, it was, it was a fun time, but uh, it meant uh, a change. And so uh, next thing you know, I'm getting my hair hair oh, shaved like off. like the Marines. Yeah, and... and uh, and that was me committing to doing it, um, taking it seriously. And um, uh, the first job that I ever got, um, well, actually it was work experience. It wasn't even a job. It was just going in to do some work experience. It was washing dishes. And I just made sure I washed those dishes faster than anyone else and got a so job. So that was important to you to do them fast. And right. do, to do them, uh, you were on your way. So right. you were going to do this well. Yeah, this exactly. This was not just a whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was yeah. not a, a placeholder. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, and then where did the interest in coffee come from? It was right there. I mean, so the, the, we're not washing dishes for six months faster than everyone else and, and kind of climbing the ranks. And um, you probably have to drink a lot of coffee to uh, wash and, faster than everybody they else. Were, they were nice enough to uh, teach me how to make coffee for myself. And they were doing stuff, this is like 20 years ago, they were doing stuff that was like ahead of time, New Zealand with coffee. Um, and the day came and the owner um, comes to me, he's like, hey, look, um, if you want, you can make this coffee for a customer over there. And I'm like, really? So excited. And uh, I made sure I put 110% into it, made that coffee as good as I possibly so could. So you're down from 120 or you're moving down? Right, That's right. A- um, <laughs> well, you know, spare 10 and uh, <laughs> save some room. Uh, and um, uh, th- I watched this coffee go out to the table and I see this, you know, I'm looking around, I see this lady get the coffee and she picks it up, has one sip, and her eyes roll back into her head, her shoulders slump back into her feet, and you ah, just breathe that like sigh of relief, like you know, thank God for coffee. And that right, that hit me, a- that hit me with a warm fuzzy that was kind of like I felt I felt in love, you know. It was, um, and that, that's still here today. Like, is, I, it, is that your wife? <laughs> no, it wasn't my wife. No, my wife doesn't drink coffee. She's probably a uh, probably what? A, probably a good thing. How know? could she not drink coffee? <laughs> After I mean, I don't know, but all it, the best it, it, coffee. Hey, look, it's great. It means and I she um, can get a deal. I would imagine on a cup. Yeah, yeah. No, she can. Yeah, <laughs> she, she knows a guy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, that's interesting. So, but you had to, in order to develop an interest in opening Proud Mary, uh-huh. you had to not only uh, hear someone's passion about roasting coffee, sourcing. Sure. You had to do that. Plus, you had to decide. I'm going to do a cafe too. Right. So you're, so you're kind of multitasking. With, I fell in love with the, the, the cafe aspect and um, dealing with people and all walks of life and just making their day a little bit brighter or better or being genuine and real with people. And that was, that was my thing for sure. And um, that first place that I worked was breakfast and lunch, seven days a week. And they had fresh juices and, um, 
you know, amazing coffee and this really um, very, uh, you know, comforting, tasty breakfast. And I would serve these customers thinking, man, that, that guy's that guy's doing it right. What a, what a great way to start your day. Mm-hmm. Um, I want that. And so I, I would start getting up earlier and make myself bacon and eggs and make sure I had fresh juice and uh, a good coffee to start. And it, it was kind of like... Uh, um, something that I became very passionate about was the start of the day and how to improve the start of the day. Mm-hmm. And um, that that is um, something that I still I still love today. And at, at some point during that journey, um, you know, I could always see that um, I could, if if I was allowed to call the shots, like if I could spend the money, that I could spend it in the right places and I could make things better. And so it, it was a natural progression for me to move into management and then move into um, eventually doing my own place, you know. At what age did you start Proud Mary? Uh, I was 20, 29 when we opened up Proud okay. Mary. I had a business before called Liar Liar that I was 27 when we started that. What was that? Um, breakfast and, and lunch. And it, and it was a, it really knocked it out of the park and it, and it set the stage for Proud Mary in Melbourne. It, it was kind of, um, I reckon it would have been one of three places in Melbourne doing what it was doing at the time, that was 2006, 2007. Um, Proud Mary opened 2009, and by that stage, we already had a little bit of of a following from Liar Liar, and people were um, excited it's by what we were doing. It's a great name, yeah, Liar yeah. Liar. It's yeah. not around any longer. It is still around, and it actually, is. they're serving, um, serving our coffee. Uh, we sold it. Yeah, we sold okay. it. Yeah. Um, we sold it a year and a half in, and that gave me my break. I mean, we, we, we definitely made something out of nothing. I, I think I had a negative $10,000 to my name when I when we started Liar Liar. Mm-hmm. And my partners in that business um, gave me a step up and gave us an opportunity and we knocked it out of the park. And um, that was enough um, money from selling that business for me to open up Proud Mary. And um, we threw everything that we had at it. And it's been, it's been like that the whole time. We've kind of... Um, you know the saying is if there's if there's money in the bank account that you're, you're not expanding fast enough, we'll, we'll definitely have been pushing Put that theory. You know, yeah. So but. did you use a lot of that money for research and getting to know the coffee world better? Because it seems to me that one of the things I know there are a lot of roasters in Portland and they take pride in how they source their beans and. Right. Uh, um, but you do. You've got something that I haven't seen in a lot of other places, which is. A little bit of a kind of a visual Wikipedia right. about you know who the farmer is. Right. When you buy coffee there, uh, you buy some a bag of coffee. You give right. We, we get a little uh, narrative. Yeah, about I the mean farmer. it's 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 definitely like um, it's not about waiting for the market to be ready for something. It's definitely it's always been us like trying to lead the market in a direction and have a positive influence on where it could go and. Um, that, that means, um, kind of trying to educate about where things really come from and Mm. the real people behind them and not just, um, some kind of like marketing piece, but, uh, an actual real story. And so in order to try and, um, get the staff behind that, get the customers to, to see that we, we had to put together as many tools as we could to, um, bridge that gap. I mean, there, there is a huge gap between the, the guys producing coffee um, which is pretty much in third world countries, um, to us sitting back, sipping on lattes, whinging about the, the price for $3.50. I mean, um, they're very removed, and it's been our mission to try and um, bridge that gap and, and create some awareness and, and try to get people to relax about spending money on, on coffee. I mean, just chill out a bit. We've had it pretty good as consumers for 20 years. Mm-hmm. The price has gone up 50 cents in 20 years. Um you know, whereas the reality is my rent has gone up um, in the last 20 years, staggering amount. So is everything. Um, so, you know, it's it's definitely um, would be nice to see some of that trickling back to the guys that actually produce the coffee and having it better off than they do, you know. Well, that's – but that's – I would imagine that's a little bit of a challenge because on one hand you want to keep costs down and on the other hand you want to su- support – those folks as much right. as you can. It so is, you it is a absolutely a challenge, but like anything, it's about um, playing smart. I mean, um, I just came back from Brazil um, and we went, Brazil is the biggest producing country in the world. Um, we went to the region that produces a lot of that uh, um, volume 
and it's all mechanised, um, which is kind of definitely not as romantic, it, and, it, and it definitely has an impact on the coffee. It's a totally different approach to coffee than Guatemala or Honduras or, um, you know, um, manual labour. Um, but they they get a very low number for their coffee because of the volumes they're producing and the efficiency that they have. Um, now, we could we could kind of help improve what they're doing a little bit, increase the quality somewhat, mm-hmm. help them earn more money for what they're doing and have an incredibly uh, cheap, viable product on the market, but uh, with, with quality attached. And so there's kind of like, it's not... It's not all um, doom and gloom. There's opportunities out there. I think it's it's about being smart about it, you know. So, what's your what is your personal favorite? I think it might be Brazilian. Uh, I, I definitely you, made it. Your a, last uh, cup of coffee before you're going in for execution. Uh, I mean, Panama Geisha is pretty friggin' hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible coffee, but I, I really wanted to help put um, Brazil on the map, especially coffee, because it's often not considered or it's kicked to the curb it's kind of um because of that volume right it's often just but considered as a blender you know that as a as a uh, proprietor but a lot of people i don't think on the street know that right you know the difference between brazilian you, and you don't often see people raving about oh my god i have a brazilian coffee but um and we had one of the most life-changing brazilian coffees yeah, earlier I, this year and uh yeah you've served me and i, yeah. I bought a little of it i yeah. also uh, last year, I didn't start drinking coffee, I guess, till about 20 years ago, right. which, given my age, was pretty, you know, not early in life. Right. Um, but it wasn't until last year that I finally, you know, I just buy what I bought. Right. It was kind of like pot. Right. You bought what you could get, and right. now you can identify right. this is what I like. Still like that in Australia. So, yeah. um, but the Ethiopians, all of a sudden, I started noticing every time I right. buy a bag of Ethiopian beans, I'm tending to like those. Why is that? Can you tell me? You know, I mean, you get a lot of character from an Ethiopian coffee, and you, you definitely get floral and fruit, and you recognize character in that coffee. And um, I think uh, bang for buck, the price you pay for Ethiopian coffee, you get a lot out of it. And, I mean, coffee came from Ethiopia. It's where all the heirloom varietals are. It's where history is. So there's definitely, like, um, some incredible stock there in the first place. Um and it just translates in the cup. Um, Brazil is the other spectrum. Brazil has the bottom end and the base notes and the, he- the heaviness that Ethiopia doesn't have. We put together a blend called Ghost Rider. It's won like three gold medals in it. It was the basis of Ethiopia delivering the high end um, treble, if you like, and the Brazil um, giving the base and the bottom end and kind of creating that full sound and that full spectrum. And it um, that's what's so cool about coffee is that... Um, you can get a lot out of it. I mean, wine, we all understand and appreciate wine and uh, pay big money for it. And kind of, I think that the, the general consumer understands the value of wine. Um, oh, well, I'll, I have comments about that because you can go to Europe and drink wine for pennies on the dollar for right. what it costs here, not pennies. But, right. You know, you can get a nice glass of wine there for three fifty Euros. Euros on the dollar. Yeah, euros. No. Right. Right. Exactly. But, but so. The point, the point being that wine has 220 chemical compounds. Right. Coffee has 800 plus. Well, so the interesting thing, and this is, again, there are a lot of people who aren't like me, but when I read all the descriptions on, you know, there's marshmallow and this and that and this, and I've, and I've had fun with my son. Can you pull any, some of those out? Some of those things we can. Yeah. And wine industry does the same thing. Right. About some of the notes and stuff. The hard thing with, coffee is you're not opening a bottle you've actually got to prepare it yourself Mm -hmm. and we often don't get things as good as they can be we get it right and 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 it needs guidance you know you need uh to execute that final stage right to get the most out of it for sure yeah a lot depends on the end user i Uh just got a burr grinder i was using one of those blade grinders for a long time and is, tell me what difference that's gonna that makes in my coffee. Whether I notice it or not, I'm no, not you'll sure notice. Yet. You, I mean, we for sure you'll notice if you have a decent um, coffee grinder. It actually is probably the the thing to spend the money on, and it's about having consistent particle size. If you put that particle size under a microscope and were to measure it, um, little tiny uh, fines compared to boulders, and then what you want, um, those fines will over extract very quickly. Mm-hmm. Those boulders won't really do much unless you give it a lot of time. 
and then you have the stuff in the middle that is going to be clouded by either end of that spectrum. And um, in order for us to get a good, clean cup of coffee, we need to have consistent particle size and then uh, extract it correctly and, and get it right and follow a recipe like like baking a cake. You kind of um, there's a little bit of science to it, you know. I'm guessing. 90% of people don't know that they need to follow a recipe. They're just using their Mr. Coffee drip yeah, thing. Not, not everyone's going to have a set of scales at home and pay attention to them. And, I mean, um, my mum was one of them. And um, I one of the uh, first interviews we had we had from Proud Mary was this famous chef, Jamie Oliver, from um, the UK. And he, uh, he asked me a bunch of questions. And one of them was, what does your mum drink? And I totally outed her, and I was like, well, she drinks Makona, like instant coffee. And, and that was the last day that mum ever drank uh, Makona. Because you didn't and want to answer that <laughs> question that way again. <laughs> yeah. Now she's doing pour-overs with a you know, gooseneck kettle and V60 and um, has a sweet grinder, and um, and she, she loves it. You know, she gets a lot out of it, yeah. So um, just f- for those listening at home, quick, uh, quick advice what would be the easiest, best way for not not investing a thousand dollars in a coffee situation at home? What would you suggest? I'm I'm using a yep. burr grinder yep. and a French press, and I also have a pour over. When I have one cup, right, I do the pour over. Two, I do the French press. Yeah. So the the saying is, um, work out your budget, double yeah. it. Oh, well then I then yeah. I'd be having instant coffee, right. and then uh, and then sp- spend it on the grinder. <laughs> Don't, don't spend it on the machine. Forget about trying to make espresso at home. It's, it's actually not worth it unless you're going to invest yeah, go to Proud 10 Mary. grand. That's yeah, it. I mean, we, we, we've put a lot of money into the equipment mm-hmm. so that we can get it right. To, to do that at home, you, you know, not only do you need half an hour to kind of set up and dial in, you need another half an hour to clean up. Right. When you brew That's coffee. ridiculous. It's crazy. When you brew coffee, um, you can you can be sitting back reading that newspaper and very little clean up and having a great cup of coffee as good as what would make it proud Mary, mm-hmm. providing you have the right grinder and um, execute that bit right. You know, that's good to hear. Yeah, because I'm really enjoy. You know, the further I get into it, I'm enjoying it. I've always I think we have some great roasters in Portland, so uh-huh. I've been jumping around from Ristretto to Ole Latte, which I really like, and but they're all you know extracto. Right. If I want to go, if I want to fly to the moon without um, without an engine, I can get to the moon with right. it. somehow. I can right. do that. But um, and your coffee is, uh, you know, you you were nice enough to give me a really nice cup of coffee that I never would order. Right. It's like a ten. How much was it? Ten dollar cup of coffee or yeah, something. Yeah. There's definitely some um, expensive and high end coffees on the on the on the bar there for sure. I mean that is that is. Um, Obviously not for everyone, but we'd like to be able to show what it what it can be or what it what it is like and So I just wonder if if I think environment means a lot to people uh-huh. and the company that uh-huh. you're with. So I can have as you said, if I do the right thing at home, I can enjoy that my cup of coffee as well as I can really high end right. coffee somewhere right. else because it's just it's yep. in the perfect spot. Yeah. And I'm probably doing what I shouldn't do, a little milk in there. Right. Right? Shouldn't be doing that. If the coffee's good, it'll stand on its own, I assume. Uh-huh. But somehow yep. I keep trying it that way. Yeah. I only like it when it gets cool, when it when it gets lukewarm without the milk. Right. But beforehand, I... Now, you'd be amazed if, if we were to give you a recipe right now, and you followed the recipe, and you had some really good quality coffee, and you got the right grinder, and your water's good. Um, I use spring water that I can right. get on I mean, the water in Portland's amazing, so, you know, you kind of... Um, it's a given here, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's there's big improvements from grinding the coffee fresh and having something roasted locally and um, and paying attention to what you do because it definitely has an impact, you know. Yeah, and I'm learning to enjoy some of the lighter roasts. The, right. the, the nuances there, you right. can actually pick them up, right? As opposed to you'll you know, get more out of a lighter roast in terms of character mm-hmm. than you will from a darker roast because there's more left in there and. You probably have to um, extract it differently and push the coffee harder to get everything out and get it to balance. But then those notes will actually make sense if it's roasted darker. Doesn't matter wh- how good it was when it started; it's all going to taste the same. You kind of anything you cook once you start to turn it into charcoal or ash or mm-hmm. you know you, th- those those darker notes um, will be inherently the same with no matter where the coffee came from. Yeah, that's interesting. Hey, Chris, let's pause a moment and welcome on board to the Right at the Fork family, a great new sponsor, Finex 
Cast Iron Cookware Company. Yes, we're delighted. And the reason we're delighted is because, you know, having been in advertising for years, I just love the fact that we have a podcast and we have advertisers that we truly believe in. Anybody who's listening to the podcast knows some of the others that we talk about every week and they're near and dear to our hearts. Well, so is Finex because... Court, I think you uh, agreed, and I did too. It's almost every day for the last few years, ever since we acquired our Finex cast iron skillets, that we've been using them. Daily. Every single day, there is a use in my family for our 12-inch cast iron pan. And they still look great, and they're easy to clean. And one of the things I like best about this cast iron, and I wasn't a big cast iron user before this, once in a while for some kind of casserole, but I'm frying on this every day, is the smooth surface. It is unlike anything you've ever seen in a cast iron skillet. And of course, that's one of the features that caused Finex to bring cast iron to the fore in the cooking world in the last few years. It's not that it hasn't, cast iron hasn't been around for years, but now it's really become the thing and Finex is the premium for, as they say, Finex is built for those that believe details make the difference and that couldn't be a truer statement. One of the things I love about my uh, 12 inch skillet Chris, is not only is it awesome and versatile, you can do so many things with it, it's like a work of art. It's just a beautiful piece of iron. And uh, to know that it was, you know, that Finex is based here in Portland. And in fact, I was just reading, it takes 12 hours and 12 hands to create these beautiful pieces of, again, artwork and great cooking material. Yeah, I leave mine right on my stovetop because it's no reason to put it away. No, it looks great. I use it all the time. No I'm lazy. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't think you're lazy at all because I do the exact same thing. I want people when they walk into my kitchen to say, oh, wow, you have a Finex. Yeah, they're great. And there's a reason over this past year when I've been watching a lot of chefs like Gabriel Rucker and others doing their home cooking demonstrations on Instagram, you, you're always going to see them cooking in Finex. Yep. Uh, here might be the best thing about uh, when you purchase a Finex product is that all Finex products are guaranteed good forever. Can't beat that. Yep. Yeah, no, you can't beat that. And that's a pretty confident statement and business proposition for them to make. Mm-hmm. So find, a, f- find all their products at FinexUSA.com. So then there's the cafe aspect. So mm-hmm. you not only had to become an expert in coffee, so you had the opportunity with Liar Liar to kind of, and even before that, yeah. to get there, to yeah. start to say, all right, this is the knowledge I need to, right. um, uh, I need to accrue. And then later, then it becomes the cafe that makes you stand out. So what makes Proud Mary in Melbourne stand out? I know I have an idea what it does yeah. in Portland, but in yeah, Melbourne- it's much harder these days to stand out in Melbourne and to the point that we changed our model a little bit and the idea was to just keep it simple. No longer, don't push the boundaries anymore. It's um, So Proud Mary in Melbourne is uh, a consistent brand experience. Um, Proud Mary in Portland is the ultimate brand experience. We're throwing everything we can at, at the experience that you have here just to see how far we can fly that flag and make it interesting for the customer and try and really blow someone's mind. In Melbourne... That became frustrating in the last couple of years is that we would go to the uh, Maston Ranges, we would get source um, groats from a little um, farmer, we'd roll those groats into um, oats fresh every day to make your porridge, you know, mm-hmm. freshly rolled, um, house curd, all these little bits and pieces. And I kind of get to the till. I actually came to Portland for a holiday and we're on the fence about whether we do something here. And I go back to Melbourne and I'm standing behind the till at the cafe in Melbourne. How was everything? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was- Pretty good, I guess. And and I know like how much we've poured into that experience that they've had and really tried to elevate it. And it's no longer, um, Melbourne's just got so much of it that it's taken it for granted. It's no longer interesting. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've seen Geisha. I mean, ten dollars, whatever. Does no one's gonna raise an eyebrow anymore. Mm-hmm. Whereas I felt like uh, we could we could come to Portland, we come to the US. We can keep doing what we do. We don't have to. We don't have to reinvent with a, a new product. Right. Cause we would different. just bring what we love and share it, and um, and that would suddenly be interesting because we're from a different place. 
Um, so what what went into the decision to come to Portland? Because it is known. One thing before you came, it already had a good reputation for coffee, right? And um, so is that it was that the determining totally. factor? I that mean, for me, you had Portland, appreciators. Yeah, Portland is the mecca of coffee, and I mean, like like being in Melbourne. I mean, I had the opportunity to do a business in Perth, in Western Australia. I won the Western Australian Brewster Champs years ago in 2006 and had this opportunity to do this business there and I had a great following in Perth, but it's Perth. And it was kind of like, who who would actually, where do you go from there? I mean, even if you're really successful in Perth, no one would hear about it. And I knew that if we went to Melbourne, uh, where the, the big boys are and where if you, you know, if you really kind of knock it out of the park in Melbourne, you could go anywhere in the world. It's, it's an international city. And so we kind of um, went to Melbourne to rub shoulders with the big kids and um, and show what we could do. And coming to Portland is is very much the same kind of thing. It's a Australian brand that's done well and had success, and wanted to come into the US market, but didn't want to go to LA. Didn't want to go to New York. I have kids. I, I enjoy my lifestyle. I don't um, How want, are your kids? want that. Um, four and seven. Rosie's four and Felix oh, is seven. So those are some good they're, years. They're loving. They're loving being here. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's a great. It's a great city for uh, kids to grow up in you know um, and so are you gonna what's your plan you're gonna stick here or are you gonna get no we here and then go no we here no no i mean i mean moving uh wife and kids is no easy feat moving countries getting visa setting up again i mean we literally got rid of everything we had and started again there's not really much point shipping your things from australia to the u.s because the amount that that costs you to do that you could kind of buy again on the other side and mm-hmm. so We've definitely um, started again, and at least five years we kind of see kind of here, and, and then from there, who knows? And but it would probably be in the states. Yeah, we see we see in the states for sure. Right. So how, so that's a. How, what do you think of the states? And you you came just at a weird time. Man, I came at a really weird time. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it was it was it was a hard time for us. I mean, we we got here. Uh, started in November, and we just so we just been through a really grey kind of gloomy winter in Melbourne. November of oh. Of, um, of sixteen, yeah, yep, um, yep, yeah. So you've yep. you've seen the bizarre. We the saw bizarre the coldest USA. winter in forty years in Portland. I mean, um, two days later after we got here, the daylight savings, and then Trump got elected, and then yeah. uh, and then we got a denial on our visa. We'd already spent. I was going to say, are you concerned of, now with what's going on? Well, Do you have I mean, to be? we we got uh, approval again recently. That's all good, but it definitely has not been. Um, Easy. Um, I mean, I, I, we just lost the guy that was working for us, had his visa revoked. and Why? Um, for what reason? Uh, someone just decided to go over it again and, and um, stick their nose in it and just make it difficult. And in the end, we'll kind of look, it's not even worth um, trying to fight that one. We'll just let it be because we'd, um, that's just how it is. I mean, Australia's the same. It's, it's, it's a tough place to get into, you know. Mm-hmm. But we, we're here to do good and create jobs and try and make it, Better, you know. So personally, what do you like about Portland? That uh, or for your family? Yeah. For you, what are, What are you enjoying about I mean, it? Close, and, close, and then yeah. food wise, what are you really getting into? Um, close to nature is amazing. Um, lifestyle, um, the open mindedness about Portland is was awesome. Um, the fact that no one's really going to look you up and down because there's always someone weirder than you. That's kind of cool. It's the same thing in uh, Melbourne. Yeah, your beard fits right, right in. Right, right. Yeah, just, and this is your this is your uh, rebellion from when they told you to right. cut off your dreadlocks. Right, now right. I'm gonna and exactly. I can grow a beard. Yeah, I can do what I'm I want. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> it's a great beard, man. It's it looks great. Thanks, man. Um, and um, food wise, I mean, I just had a great um, dinner at Revelry. Some um, Korean food, mm-hmm. simple mm-hmm. things. I mean, I think I think Portland does street food really well and simple food really well and um sandwiches really well and um and the asian is a big because as i started to do the research on the places that you gave mm-hmm. me to look up that we're going to go yep um asian is big over huge. there huge yeah it is. And I, mean, I would imagine you're closer yeah. to my wife was trying to explain what australian food is to someone the other day and she she, she mentioned there's a big asian influence and it kind of clicked i mean it's it's um when you're living there the whole time, maybe you don't see it, but it's so close to Asia and um, Vietnamese and Thai food and just all the all the mamas are there. And um, that is the best thing about Melbourne is all the, the multi, multicultural aspect. And so it's a melting pot. So you can get um, traditional food really cheap. And then you have some cutting edge young chefs with technique 
that are elevating some of those um, traditions and twisting them on their head a bit. And becomes- how long has that been going on? Because it really kind of caught on. TV did a lot, I think, mm-hmm. for food. Absolutely. Mr. You know, Mr. Bourdain right. did a lot for food in this country. How yeah. long ago did it? Did you start to see some sophistication in? I mean, M- Melbourne's Melbourne. definitely always been the place for hospitality. Um, I, I definitely think as well, like Master Chef from Australia mm-hmm. has had a huge impact on um, people's expectation around food and what it can be and what quality is, and um, even just trying to cook better at home has had a mm-hmm. big impact. Um, but. Um, for a while, Melbourne's definitely been like doing some amazing things with food. I mean, I remember when I first visited Melbourne, um, and we went and had um, pasta at this uh, Italian place, famous Italian place, and it's just it's the real deal, you know. They mm-hmm. they don't they don't cut corners, they don't muck around, and um, and the guy that was serving me um, was in his like mid to late fifties, and the way he was holding himself. Um, so professional and proud. He had this sense of pride around mm-hmm. what he was doing. And mm-hmm. He's a waiter. You go to a lot of places. I mean, you go to many other cities in Australia. Waiters are not holding themselves as pride. It's, it's a hospitality is often a, a means to an end. It's often something that you do as a student to give you a, a, a you know um, a wage while you while you study um, and, and get your degree and whatever it is you're choosing to do. This guy's career was hospitality, right? And you see that in you see that in Europe. You see it in New York, right? professional waiters sure. yep. and we were just talking about it not to blow their horn again but it doesn't we don't mind ringside you okay. know there are a lot of guys who've been there people who've been there for decades right that's their trade right. they do it really well and you don't see that in a lot of places in portland because it's exactly what you said they're just passing through right but because of the laws here you can make a pretty good living as a waiter so i Absolutely. think we do have, we do have yeah. a lot of great professionals yeah but I personally would like to see a little more attention to the stuff that the guys you're talking about, right? That that they're paying attention to, right? Like you know, that you don't have to ask for a lot of things. They're, sure, they're they got their eyes on the table, right? I mean, uh, to me, it, it really is about the customer, and that's I think that's easy to forget sometimes. But at the end of the day, um, the customer's experience and that uh, making them excited and having having fun and making them feel welcome and at home and um how we treat them that's 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 everything to us and it's like you know coming to proud mary is it's our home we we've poured out so much heart and soul into it i mean we 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 built all the furniture in the place we designed the whole thing we kind of there isn't an inch in that space that we're not um isn't dripping proud mary and right and you're not really important to us that people feel that way and you well a couple of things you brought a lot of folks over from australia to work there so you get the you get the Experience. I mean, just to clear that up, uh, I, I would have brought a lot over if I could have, but it's so hard to bring them over. We we really only got uh, a visa for the chef, mm-hmm. and then Barney, the Barney and then uh, Lindsay, uh, the the general manager. He had um, already a green card for the US, and his, okay. his family is from Oregon, so it was a, it was a oh, phone I didn't call. Know that. Yeah, it was literally a phone call, and like, hey, what what are you doing? But you? there's been some others. The others, the others were here. They or just came out of the woodwork. Maybe you just going to take them to Australian accents. No, no, no. They, they, there's, there's a lot of Australians <laughs> here already, and so we, we, you know, we've been, we've been lucky to uh, um, hire and snap them up. You know, I'm hoping that we can hang out enough so that I can do your accent. Right. Well, I'm not really good at accents. Can you do? Can you do an accent, Corey? I don't. I don't want to offend anybody. I because there's the the typical. Throw another shrimp on the Barbie. Right. And, oh no no no. Yeah, good, that's good day, mate. That's yeah. kind of. So I, I won't even go there. That's the right. uh, that's the outback uh, right version. But well, my we're not, favorite I'm not thing. A, I'm not a princess. That's for I sure. I mean s- that that is uh, uh, Australia. We we very uh, much grow up um, giving each other a hard time. So there'll be no offense taken. Yeah no. <laughs> but I one of my favorite things that I because I I like language and you know it's one of the reasons you read it. We don't like the word amazing here because right. we want people to stretch their stretch themselves a little bit sure. but the first time you and i were talking we decided to do an event together right. which is on the 23rd uh-huh. coming up this is going to run the week before so yep. if someone uh wants to come we have room for yes you're doing we're doing dinner yes at- which is a treat for us i mean we're normally breakfast and lunch and so it's nice to show what we can do yeah, uh, in the well, evening and it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful space so it'll, it'll be nice I think time. It, I first time I sat there I said this would be wonderful but you wrote me back 
uh, when I said, so are we doing this? And you wrote me back, let's get amongst it, which yeah. I'd never heard. And I've right. been using it since. Yeah. It's so much better than let's <laughs> do it or something. So yeah. Uh, maybe you don't notice that that's no, a little different yeah. for us Americans. We, we've got here. some pretty funny slang in Australia and, and New Zealand too. I mean, so, yeah. Are you aware you're throwing an American a little slang that, that, that yes. has a little more meaning? Yeah, I like it. I like seeing that kind of blank look on someone's face and they're trying to look <laughs> out what I'm saying. I want yeah. to learn a few more of those because, yeah. you know, we need... Uh, it's just more interesting. Yeah. So let's describe a little bit about... Um, we're going to do a trip in April. I think uh-huh. it's April... Third or sixth? I, we don't have a date yet. We're going to have that ironed down yep. by the event on the twenty third. Yeah, we don't know what that is, but just a quick description because it's not only for this trip, but for what you would describe as great and a great experience, a great food experience uh-huh. in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. So some of the places we might yeah. be looking at. Yeah, I mean, I really want to show off what Melbourne can do and and um and where where it's where it's at and what's interesting about it and what makes it special and so I really wanted to choose some places that are not your normal kind of places and they're um uh pretty special and 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 some of them are a little bit ridiculous uh how elevated I mean loon croissant yeah that um, looks awesome I had so much hell? fun just looking at websites it's, that you're I mean, you know just 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 to like touch on that for a second I mean when that when that opened up that was my old business partner um uh helps uh i guess like just there's an amazing girl um making these croissants out of a very little space in um in a really cool suburb in, in melbourne and she just had this reputation she'd sell out by 8 a.m every day and she'd make enough of the day and that's sell frustrating out. for the for exactly people so people would line person. up there at 5 30 in the morning and um my old business partner got involved and we're like hey let's 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 do this properly and like really kind of give you the right space and the right tools you need. And they set up the most incredible, um, warehouse space and converted it into this. It looks like a, um, almost like a surgery theater, but for croissants Right. and on the operating table, they're folding a croissant and, um, on a, on a black marble with the glass around him. And, and it's incredible. And, um, they do they're, kind they're, of an amakasi. You show up and they give you what they want to, what they met you smelled being made right well I mean, back when they opened up they were only open four hours a week two hours on a saturday two hours on a sunday that was wow. it i mean and we, were, and we were like what do you mean you're only open for, for it how does that how does the business do that that doesn't work that's a food cardy thing but they had a line that. from like 5 a.m around the street and it was it was ridiculous every weekend they'd sell so many units in that two hour period and the rest of the week they'd just kind of get ready for the next weekend um now it's different. They're, they're kind of um, settled in and, and have a, you know, uh, I think it's a seven-day-week operation now. Right, they it, got a theater. So, I mean, it's like, as you said, it's like a, but you can buy tickets to watch them do it and then right. and they eat it, which we're going to do. Absolutely. I assume. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll do so, that. So, and you told me, you, uh, I wasn't aware of it, but and you said before, but lunch or breakfast is the big thing there. So we're going to be, every day we have something really cool. Yeah planned yeah starting at proud mary which yep. i'm excited about yep. seeing what that's like over there but you said it's very much like alberta proud right mary. i mean it, it, it's um i think it's probably scaled back a little bit um from what we're doing here but uh i think it still hits on all the things that count and quality produce and um simple and approachable but uh everything is has a story about it so the um that has kind of been their focus to try and do things that have um, content and something real behind it. So the dishes are um, from the chef's personal experience or childhood memory or some kind of reason why he's got that on the menu. And that that means that there's like heart and soul in it and um, it seems to be working really well. Yeah. And um, there are a lot of it, a lot that I saw was oriented, much like all of a sudden in Portland we're seeing a wine bar scene with great food. A lot of the, what I saw was cocktail bars with great food. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. There's definitely a big drinking culture in Australia. I mean, I think most people kind of um, know that. Um, and so there's some really um, cool bars. I mean, we'll definitely maybe it'll be uh, not included on the list. Maybe there'll be a secret kind of um, hidden bar evening where we where we take people to some bars that you wouldn't find otherwise. And you know, it's it's amazing. I, last time I was there, we went down this. In our neighbourhood that I, that I know very well, but one of my guys took me down this laneway, past the bins, 
and there's a door open up some kind of you know pretty rough flight of stairs open up this other door and it's a it's a, a bar that seats about maybe eight or ten people um one guy behind the bar no no branding anywhere oh yeah you don't even know where you are they just had this on secession have you been watching secession at all on hbo no yeah they just had this they did it wasn't that small right yeah they had to go through under a train tunnel into a door up some industrial thing and then they were in there so there's something to be said about word of mouth and you know yeah well there's something to be said about traveling with a a guy who knows the spot right and it's not going to be on any of the tourist books right so that's pretty cool yeah Hey, Chris, let's pause just a moment and talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. Yeah, and Ringside, it seems like back to normal at Ringside, but it's even better than it used to be because now, in addition to indoor dining and takeout, you've got beautiful outdoor dining at Ringside, and they just set up a new little area. And uh, as they said yesterday, you can, you've got an old dog learning new tricks. Uh, at ringside so they have some really beautiful space outside and of course the weather is conducive to that right now Um, and their hours are wednesday to friday 5 to 10 p.m saturday and sunday opening an hour earlier at four and you can order your to-go food uh, an hour before the start of business so note those hours that i just mentioned and you can pick it up until nine when you do go to ringside steakhouse if you're uh, if you're choosing to dine in whether that be indoor or outdoor you want to make those reservations you can do that through the website ringsidesteakhouse.com or i use the open table app chris and that makes it super easy you just hop on there you find your time you find your table and you're good to go it's it's a 30 second process at most to get a reservation at ringside so uh think about what you're doing in the next 30 seconds and Think about how productive and delicious that can be. And again, if you missed any of the information we just covered, the website, again, is ringsidesteakhouse.com. So do you have friends coming to visit you from Australia, and are you curating Portland spots for them? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is something that I've been here a year and a half. That I need more in the repertoire, you know, the more um, that we can get out and have a look. I mean, a lot of the last year and a half has been... You're in the, in you're the business, in the, you know, um, yeah. and we kind of went from um, I went from having an office and a, an assistant and all the people around me to make things happen to suddenly doing it all over again. And so myself and my wife have been definitely um, earning our keep again. You know, um, it'll take a, it'll take a minute before we um, build up the same um, support structure around us and, and then um, explore a bit more. Are there any things that in particular? Um, that you just look at and think, I can't believe this is so ridiculous to do business in this town. Any loophole, any um, bureaucratic things that you don't have in Australia or vice versa. The marijuana uh, industry? I mean, it's amazing. Oh, that's on the positive side. Right. Yeah, no, that. And you I mean, don't we, don't, any, we don't have that in Australia. It, and, and they're not talking about, are they talking about legalizing? Uh, it has yeah, a, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 Australia has such a funny opinion of it uh, and how bad it is for you and it just isn't the case you know and i think it's going to take a minute before uh the majority kind of um opens their eyes a little bit you know in my in my whole life i never thought it would just become legal there are a lot of things i thought would happen right sort of politically that would happen before that and it just all of a sudden happened i I mean i've been listening to peter tosh for a long time trying to legalize it and uh me too. I, I didn't think it would ever happen. Um, and to, to be living somewhere where it, where it is and to be able to see that, and um, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, were there, but on the other side, were there things opening Proud Mary that were really frustrating you? Absolutely. The city yeah, absolutely. Or? I mean, uh, so we tried our best to put together a, a budget and um, forecast what we would need to open business here and it's so hard when you're not from the same place and you don't have the, your networks and your right. friends to do you favors um i mean just the just see building permit from the city was nine thousand dollars um in australia that was eight hundred dollars mm. and i can remember um handing over a nine thousand dollars cash just to, to the, be able to, to the city to the, to the guy up behind the desk and i'm like <laughs> hey there's an envelope, and he was like, is that, is that cash? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, it's a lot of cash. I'm like, 
it is, isn't it? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what are you guys doing? You know, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, not not fixing the potholes, that's for sure. Yeah, but um, you know, uh, there are some things that are very different, and there's definitely some red tape here that um, makes it challenging to open a business like that, and makes it very expensive. So I can I can understand why people would be scared about introducing food into their coffee shop because it's it's expensive. I mean. Um, the canopy alone, well, we call it a canopy, the uh, extraction or the, the hood. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we spent some money on that, you know. Um, I mean, again, Australia, $7,000 would get you start, finish. Mm-hmm. We were like $75,000 by the time we kind of said did and you, done. Did you know that? Is had that no something idea. you learned no, on the no way? No idea. Yeah, we learned so that you had way. To, Wow. Yeah. So you had to adjust the budget uh-huh. in a yeah. big way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of cups of coffee to pay right. $75,000. I'm pretty sure we'll still be paying that one off. Yeah, now. no, it's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so how's the business doing? Are you? Yeah, really, really, really good. I mean, um, just this morning, um, roasting coffee, you know, and I walked out and there is just such a good vibe in there and people having a lot of fun and people waiting for tables and the, the, the staff have smiles on their face. They really enjoy coming to work. And I mean, that that's awesome to well, see people having fun. customers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's the idea, right? We're, we're there to have a good time. Did yeah. you uh, did you strategically pick that spot across the street from Salt and Straw? Because I think that's a great yes. location. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we when we found that spot it was like this is a home run i mean and the rent we paid a much higher rent than what everyone else would have been on that street at the time because mm-hmm. things are changing obviously but okay. to me it was oh, we like we got some Aussie folks on right. the line here i let's, honestly didn't care i was like this is the spot to them. this is the spot to be you know um, right. yeah i just uh it was i just had a friend who posted was online at salt and straw and that's great and i said just make sure you go to wash that down you go across the street right and she was she thought it was great. Yeah, so, cool. um, it's a it's a good spot to be. And were yeah. you aware? Were you aware of Salt and Straw? When yes. You get- yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So when when uh, my my friend lives in Portland, I was in traveling through Central America. I was in Guatemala at the time, and he and he called me and was like, "Hey, I think I found it." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" So oh, you had I think some I, scouting. I think I found the site. Me? Yeah, we'd been here a couple of times to have a look, come close to a couple um, locations, but um, that was that was definitely the one, you know. And so was your plan. When you came to have a look to move here, did, or is that did that come yeah. later on? And say, no, hey, no. You know we just we just bought a seventy five thousand dollars hood. We got to just move there. <laughs> no, no, no. Our plan was to move here. I mean, we we I guess we looked at the, the three hard, three though. years. You had to you have to having done what you did. Yeah, you have to love, you know, your neck of the woods, and by that I mean Australia yep. and New Zealand. Yeah, you know, so for sure. Uh, but you know, like uh, change is as good as a holiday. So it's an adventure for us, and. Um, about ten years, a uh, great ten years in Melbourne, and um, you know, we—I uh, I did say from day one that we would try and do something down the line, in the US or the UK, or at least like we always had big ideas. And um, uh, jumping across here, I mean, it, it, it definitely um, was an adventure in Australia. Like we could see three years ago that it was not grinding to a halt, but it, things were going to get hard, um, especially in the in the cafe sector and it would kind of mean not enjoying it or not kind of having fun with it anymore and finding it hard to excite the customer. We were like, hey, you know what? Um, maybe we should just batten down the hatches in Melbourne, not not be taking out more leases on other sites in Melbourne. Maybe we should take out a lease somewhere completely different um, and uh, make it interesting. And for us, that, well, that was here, it, you know. And that makes it interesting. Yeah, it is, yeah. What other cities were you looking at? It really was Portland. I mean, I, when I look at the the US and, uh, you know, a lot of the Australian guys are popping up in LA and New York, um, that just wasn't us. And I, there's no way my wife and my kids would appreciate that like we like we appreciate um, Portland, Oregon, you know. Um, I think part of the attraction move, to move to the US was Portland, Oregon. It wasn't um, just the US. It was kind of that there's a, there is a place that, um, you know, there's, there's some cool stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, and my feeling is, and I think Quartz is too. Um, once you get here, it only gets better. The right. more you learn about it, right. the you know. I you just, start... I, you know, this is the first time I, I showed up half an hour early to, today, right? And there is a live band across the road, just carving it up, and uh, a bunch of people dancing. And I had the, had the best little here yeah, now. Yeah, just at the front. I missed that. What was yeah. that? And it was just classic Portland kind of um, 
band rocking it out, you know. Well, you need to get hooked up with Court to go to the, the is it still the Skype Live Studio? Now? No, it's the Bloodworks Live Studio. Oh, it's changed yeah. again. We, we change names. So they get bands in here all the time, right. and you can go check those out. Kind of a little private invitation. Yeah, I don't know. So, um, yeah, the music scene's pretty good here. Yeah, for sure. So, But the other cool thing is you discover you're, you're not getting the opportunities yet because you're kind of, I've noticed when we try to get together, you've got, you got a ball and chain to the roaster. Yeah, really over there, yeah, yeah. So. And that's kind of what I meant by starting again. We definitely uh, are, are working hard. I mean, I um, definitely pulled some long hours last week and that's what it takes to, yeah, to no. get a business off the ground. But in um, time, you're going to learn, you know, They'll spend a little more time on the coast. Exactly. And then when I discovered the Wallawas, to me, it was like, wow, there's all these other places that I thought made this fantastic. And now there's this other world that I think you you would appreciate. Right. It's, uh, they call it little Switzerland. It's right. absolutely beautiful. So the more you discover. Yeah. I mean, that that's the best thing about uh, moving countries is, is um, or that opportunity to discover. It's yeah, just yeah. the West Coast. Yeah. But the cool thing is that Portland has had a cool influence on all these other regions because right. it exists so people know right. you got to raise the quality you got to right. you, know, you can't be taking orders from a national supplier you got to be sourcing locally right and so all the all there's so many little cool nooks yeah. and crannies all over the place yeah you'll discover well i'm looking forward to discovering the uh, nooks and crannies uh, australia has always been on my the top yeah for whatever reason yeah i had two places i wanted to go in my life when i hadn't been there which was pacific northwest and Australia, and so if we sell enough tickets, and I think we will. Uh, man, if uh, you guys don't get on that trip, I mean, it's uh, crazy. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it'll be like a, I guess, like a really a shortcut to the best of the best and some interesting things. And, and nine days. Yeah. And so I've been doing these trips with Jose to Barcelona for a while, so we have figured out the kinds of things yeah. that people like and how to make yeah. people happy yeah. and you do you're in the hospitality business yeah. and the list you gave me was really cool you sent me how to be 50 places and we've yeah. pulled it down to i think 13 or 14 uh -huh. over eight or nine days yeah. that we're going to do and, i mean it's definitely if, if any time for some reason does permit there is a plethora of more places to um get them well and most people who come on our trips add of uh, some days on, and the, usually on the rear end, right? Because then they can get your recommendations on right. where to go, which we can provide yep. beforehand too. Yeah, that's not a problem. But, um, but you know, someone could fly to New Zealand or yep. f from there. But it's going to be an exciting trip, and I'm looking forward to our event next week yep. on the 23rd. Yeah, that's Thursday. We got um, we're going to walk away with a little proud Mary coffee. Uh -huh. We got some gift certificates to uh, Smallwares, and we're having a great dinner. Yes. No, it's going to be amazing. I mean, um, with some Australian wines. Yep. Yep. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, there's some, there's some awesome wines coming out of Australia. Um, so that'll be kind of, that'll be fun too. Cool. Um, it's going to be great. And I have to say, I, I knew this would be a fun conversation. Some of our podcasts, they flow really nicely. They just go. Right. Which is what this did. Right. And I love this kind of, I love this kind of conversation. Awesome. It's been great getting to know you. And, uh, I hope we have, we, so the trip is next April. I hope maybe this time next year we have you on again. Yep. Talk about uh, that and whatever else you've learned. Sounds good. You're going to learn a few things. Of course. Thanks so much. Thank you. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right